no filter. How many of you guys, I'm just trying to get a feel of the room, how many of you guys uh, know what a filter is? You even know what a filter is? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you guys have ever used a filter on social media or whatever? You've used one before. Okay. I've, I've got a confession. Uh, I'm, I, up to just a while ago, I've never used uh, a filter in all my life. Okay. Didn't know what it was and everything. And then my kids were explaining to me, they said, Dad, you could use a filter and actually get hair. Uh, there's all these great perks to it, and things like that. So I thought, I've got to try this out, okay? So I brought some of you, uh, I brought today some of my uh, filtered pictures, okay? So here's this first one. This is just me and Morgan. We were trying it out. That one was not cool. I had to lose my man card over that one. So, but these next two are super cool, okay? That one is me with hair. And I started thinking that these are not bad looks for me. So I, I don't know if I went back to my high school pictures, if they were that cool or not, whatever. Uh, but it's funny how people do these filters like this. It's an unrealistic reality, but it's fun. We just do it to joke around. We, we do it to kind of get a laugh and the different things that we do. I was on the couch the other day, and I'm going through it. I, I, I didn't know because I don't use filters. And I was going through it, and I started looking up these pictures of these people and stuff like that. I showed my kids, and I said, something's off. That doesn't look like so-and-so. And I'm trying to figure this out. And my kids were laughing at me. and said, Dad, it's a filter. So what do you mean a filter? It changes your eyes. It makes you look skinny. It changes your skin tone. It does all these different things for you. And then all of a sudden, they take that picture that is not really them, and they post it. And all these people, and I'm, I'm not dogging it. I'm just, I just think it's funny. And then all these people are going, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And I'm thinking, that's not really them. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's made up. It's 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 uh, it's. It's a facade. It's a, it's a fake impression of who you truly are. And I started thinking about how real that is in the culture and the world that we live in. Most people don't come out and d- demonstrate who they truly are. And I'm not talking about just filters. I'm not talking about social media. I know that's fun. It's just an illustration. But I'm talking about in real life of us putting out there who we really are, like the song was just saying. We try so hard. To put up a facade to be liked and be accepted or be attractive in the different things that we do. It's, it's tied into every one of our lives, young and old. And you say, well, no, I don't even have a cell phone. Or, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that aspect of the filter. I'm talking about how we hide behind things in our lives. I started doing this study because this is, has such a deep impact on our culture today. And I asked the question, what in the world is going on? I'll, I'll explain it. But man, we've got some issues. I'm going to say a lot of things in this message, and I need you, no matter what, what your opinion is, your feelings, your background, if, if, you're, if you're not a normal church attendant, I, I need you just to pause and listen. Because we do have big issues that we're dealing with. Just pause and listen. According to the CDC, let me tell you about our youth. Suicide rates have increased to thir- up 33% between 1999 and 2019. 33%. Suicide accounts for one death every 11 minutes. Every 11 minutes, somebody takes their life. Every 11 minutes, somebody... You, you think about what, what's going through their mind, what's happening. The, it's the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34. Let that sink in. Ages 10 to 34 
when honestly we would look at them as being in the prime of their life, that is when they're meeting people, getting married, enjoying life, graduating from college, starting careers, all these different aspects of it. It's the second leading cause of death. When you get up to ages 34 to 54, it's the fourth leading cause. Ages 45 to 54, it's the fifth leading cause. And you think about all the disease and the sickness and all the things that we have, and yet the, the leading cause in these areas is, is people taking their own life. I, and think about it, over the last 20 years how that has increased 33%. Now, now I, think about that. That is astronomical. That is significant numbers of increase that's happening in our world today. You say, why? Because so many inner struggles. We, we, we have to take an honest look at our culture today and say, what in the world is going on? Now, I'll get into my message in a minute. Like I said, I have a long introduction, and I'm just asking you guys, as I lay the groundwork for this, and we get into this for the next couple minutes, to help us truly understand what's going on. Uh, we talk about end times. Let me tell you guys, if you don't know much about end times, what the Bible says about end times, if you're watching Israel, you're able to see what's going on in end times. I don't know if you guys realize it or not. The Bible tells us to watch Israel. The Bible tells us, and the, the amazing thing about it is how much the world pays attention to what's going on in Israel. When you look at Israel on the globe, it's, it's like this tiny. It's just a sliver. And, and yet it has so much attention, so much conflict, so much hatred about it. Those are God's chosen people. God gave them that land. It goes all the way back to Genesis. If you want to understand what's going on and you say the Bible isn't relevant, it is so relevant that even what you're watching in the news is they say Israel, 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 that is pointing back to what God says in Scripture all the way back thousands of years ago. But there's another aspect of something that's happening around us right now that deals with prophecy as well. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin should be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I know I've said this a thousand times. We've read this a thousand times. I want to tie it into the message of where we're going today, okay? The word falling away means to detach from the truth. I hold in my hands, this is truth. Does anybody believe that? This is the Bible. I, this is absolute truth. And, and what I'm about to say is about to really upset some people or make some people really uncomfortable or I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone, but I'm okay with that because you know why I'm okay with that? 33% increase in our youth over the last 20 years of suicide. That's why we've got to get bold enough to be able to talk about issues and have people just sit down and just say, tell me the truth and love people as we tell them the truth. Because we've gotten so politically correct that we're not allowed to say anything anymore. Everybody's offended. You walk on eggshells. You, you, you're labeled as being a hater if you say anything. But the Bible's talking about here the falling away is detachment from the truth. Here, here, here's how it explains. And, and if anybody knows this, the Bible helps me to understand in this great world and all the time in it that we have, the Bible helps me to know where I came from. The Bible tells me why I'm here. The Bible tells me who I am. The Bible defines my purpose in life. The Bible defines everything that I have. And if you sit there and say, the Bible is that, and I believe that, and we say amen in church, then, then you, you're understanding that the Bible and the Word of God is absolute truth. Amen. So what happens in our culture, and we know that this is the significant thing that's happened in our culture, if we take the absolute truth that is here, what has happened is we're slowly getting away from that. 
That's what the Bible is talking about. There's going to be this falling away that we're going to have. The falling away is not just people aren't going to church like they used to. And I'm not saying that that's not part of it. But that what it's talking about is detaching from who I am. Detaching from the definition of why I'm here. Detaching from the definition of who I am and, and who says who I am. Then the further we get away from that, the more confused we get. Because we've detached from absolute truth in our culture and our world today. It explains everything. This is who I am is this. And, and it creates two major problems dealing with our identity. I'm talking about why the high suicide rates, why the high anxiety, why the high depression rates. Here, here, here it is. Here's two major problems that we have connected to our identity today. Number one is confusion. It's a huge thing. Identity confusion is huge. Anxiety and depression amongst our youth is out of control. And we, we sit there and say, I know that. Then when we start pointing it out and talking about those things, that's when everybody gets nervous. One of the greatest illustrations that we have of this is gender identity. Now I even say those words right there and people start talking about, you can't go there. You can't start talking about that. That's off limits and that, that's a touchy subject. You realize why it's become such a confusing subject is because we're not talking about it. We can talk about it and speak the truth in love. Yes. We need to be talking about it and we need to speak the truth in love. You know why that's so important? Because you can't detach truth from love. You can't detach love from truth. They're not separate things. You see, God is love and God is truth. You bring them together and you, 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 they're a combo deal every single time. You cannot separate them apart from each other. I say these words and people are like, okay, where's he going with this? See, even if we're Christians, and I'll tell you, even when it comes to gender identity in churches today, we get sensitive about this. But I will speak the truth as we go through this. You can't, now today, we, people are saying things like you can't identify your own gender. It has to be figured out. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches and saints, Confusion does not come from God. You find confusion, you will not find any of the fingerprints of God on anything that you're dealing with this. So when we fall away from the truth, if this is the truth, and we begin to fall away from the truth, we detach ourselves from the truth, and I put myself into a place of confusion. And I say confusion today, it literally gets laid out like this. In our culture today, I don't know if I am a boy or a girl. I don't know if I should like boys or girls. I don't know if I should dress like a boy or a girl. Confusion. You're talking about the basic things that I can point out all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 when God says in the beginning God created everything and this is the way that he created it to be. Now we have this confusion that is gone so far out. Let me, let me explain. And then, by the way, I am not being hateful. I'm not being critical. I'm, I, the, the thing is, if, if people are struggling in confusion, we should run to them to give them truth, not yell names at them. He, he, the problem is church has lost its voice of being able to speak truth because we've done it for so long with anger and resentment rather than doing it with love and truth. We lose our impact. We lose our testimony. We lose our ability to pull people back to the truth because we just add to the confusion. 
here it is. It used to be, when I was growing up, there was, there was the, 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 the gay and the lesbian aspects of life. It's either you're gay or lesbian. Now it's grown into LGBTQ+. Matter of all these different additions that has come to this. So it's now it's a matter of it's I'm a boy or a girl, or I like boys or girls, or I'm a mixture of these things, but now I'm this and now I'm fluid with this. But I'd like this and, and you guys know what I'm saying, and it keeps adding. And if you want to look up what the plus means, the plus goes on and on and on and on. So nobody that stands in this arena can actually stand up and say, I know who I am. They can't say that. And by the way, when they finally discover and think, I know that I'm gay, then there's another category. Oh, that could be me now. It shifts. It changes. It alters. There's no stability. And by the way, when you get into that arena, there's also no peace. Peace is missing from that. You say, why? God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Peace is the absence of anxiety. It's the absence. See, peace, you don't find people that are living in perfect peace and, 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 and taking their life. Because when you're settled in your inner man, and that's what Peace can be identified in a lot of ways, but it's an, it's, it's an inner rest is what it gives you, knowing that all is outright. The National Library of Medicine did this study. Not Christians, not churches, this did this study. Those with gender confusion indicate that they are at much higher risk of death by suicide and suicidal behavior than the general population. Why? I'm not, I'm not just throwing out saying, well, I believe, or this is my opinion. No, I'm telling you from the researchers of, these are CDC and the, uh, the National Library of Medicine is putting these out. Almost half, 48.3% reported suicidal thoughts and struggles. 23.8% of those that have gender confusion have attempted suicide. You say, why? Because there's no solid foundation to stand on. Everything is so changing and shifting, and I don't know, and tell me who I am, and I can't tell you who I am, and what am I? And nobody can tell you who you are. You have to find in the inner man. You have to search it out. You have to figure it out, but I don't know, especially when you have people that are going through hormonal changes and, and, and just growing up trying to figure out what it is to be a boy and, and being able to flirt with a girl and be rejected and all the normal things that happen in life. It's difficult. God is not the author of confusion. This means that God is not the author of suicide. See, the Bible warns us, and he told us about this. He says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get the advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Confusion is a tool used by Satan. He loves you to be confused. Because you know what it is? If you're confused, you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you came from and you don't know who you are. Satan loves confusion. This is how he works. Here's a, here's a second major problem connected to our identity today. Not only confusion, but validation. And to be validated. We have an inner desire in every single one of us to fit in. We have an inner desire in every single one of us to be liked. We have an inner desire, every single one of us, to be accepted. That's not wrong. By the way, that came from the Word of God. You see, when God created you from the very beginning, you were never a mistake. 
You were, you were, you, this is what validates us. God says you were loved, you were planned, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That's why we reject abortion, because God makes no mistakes. The question in this life is what makes you feel liked? What makes you feel valued? What makes you feel validated? Because we seek this all the time, and we find it in work and friends and accomplishment and spouses. It's, it's, it's also a big part of our confusion when it comes to social media. We put out pictures, and there's the endorphins that come to our minds. And, and then this, there's studies that do this where something about if I put out a picture, and the more likes that I get, the better I feel. That's why a lot of times people will post a picture and the next day the first thing that they do is get on to see how many likes that they have. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it's in our human nature to gravitate towards things that are going to validate us. But at the same time, that's also weak because now we're basing our feelings and emotions on other people's opinions. And those are all over the place. You don't believe me? Just go through politics and see. It's constantly changing. This leads to constant comparison. We see somebody post a picture on social media and, 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 and all of a sudden we're like, and they're so much more beautiful and I love their hair or they're so skinny or I love their eyes or I have such a big nose and you're sitting there looking at yourselves and all of a sudden we're constantly bringing ourselves down because we don't look like so-and-so. We don't, we're not, but here's the truth of the matter is I was in the gym, I was running on the treadmill and I'm watching this lady in front of me. She gets done, she fixes her hair, she takes out her cell phone for the next 20 minutes. She's trying to get the right angle of her running on the treadmill. She's changing, 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 and looking and getting off and all, doing all these other things. You don't realize that picture-perfect person that you're judging yourself or comparing yourself to, that was 20 different retakes, five filters, and two edits to get to that picture. It's not a real them. All of these issues that we have in life, we, we, we feel like I'm ugly or I'm, I'm not like so-and-so or I'm not good enough. Where do we find our identity and where do we find our validation? Some of you are sitting here saying, I don't struggle with this. Praise God. Good for you. But can I tell you, it's your responsibility to help those that don't have it figured out. And, I, and I'm telling you, we, we are not God-honoring church if we have people that come into a service and say, well, that wasn't for me. Maybe it was for God to teach you something to help other people. Because isn't that who we are as Christians? It's not about always fulfilling what we are. It's, it's about helping other people as well. Amen. I believe that we can understand our identity when we understand the gospel. We can overcome the oppression. We can overcome the anxiety. We can overcome these, these things that are the confusion that haunts our nation today. We have solid answers to give our kids. To be able to say, this is the truth. That's what the world wants more than anything. Just tell me the truth. Just lay it out there. Man, how cool would it be if we could offer them peace we can offer them identity. If we can sit down there and not, rather than telling our kids, well, you'll just have to figure it out. And one day you'll know. But dad, mom, I don't know. Be able to open up your Bible and say, let me tell you, I know who you are because God declares who you are. A solid identity. Taking off the filters. Taking off the lies. Taking off the facades that we hide behind and start living our identity in Christ. A while back, we, we went in January. We had the awesome opportunity for our staff to be able to go to, uh, on a retreat. We went to this conference, and while we were there, uh, they had one of the guest speakers that got up. His name was Kerry Smith. He's the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. He wrote a book called Stop Trying. 
He wasn't even scheduled to speak at the conference. It was just worked out for him to be there at the conference because of the fact is during COVID, the original speaker got where he couldn't come in during, during the, uh, due to travel restrictions. So he got up. It was totally ordained of God, and he began to speak on this subject. It helped so many people. And you say, so many people, I thought it was a pastor's conference. Yes, so many people were helped by being able to help us have a, check ourselves back into reality of what the Bible says is our identity in Christ rather than what other people say. I can't recommend this book enough. And I'll tell you, I'll post it and everything else. And a lot of the things I'm, I'm pulling from this and I, I contacted Carrie and told him, I'm doing this message. I need all the help that I can get because I want to help people that are dealing with this struggle. Mark 8, 34. How do we figure this out? We go to the Gospels. We don't go to TV. We don't go to the opinions of others. We're, we're, we, we don't find this in social media. We don't find this on the news. We find it in the Word of God. Amen. And Jesus was talking to the disciples, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now listen to verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now this is what you call a paradox because it doesn't make sense. I'm going to gain something by losing. Gaining by losing. It's, it sounds like a contradiction. It sounds like it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But he says in verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Jesus is speaking of them becoming who they were created to be in Jesus Christ. He was, he was explaining to them what the gospel was. But I'm asked the question, what is he saying that we have to lose? And I, there, there's two different identities, and I want to explain them. And it's, some of these are going to click with you. And I, I need you to help understand what this is. These are from Kerry Schmidt. He wrote these out in, the, in his book. One is the traditional identity. And this is a traditional identity that we have in our world today where others define me, okay? We see this all the time, the pressure of building up and being what other people think you should be. We're judged on the outside by our looks, by our grades, by our success, by our money. We're elevated in our minds if we do good, if I'm successful, if I make lots of money, if I graduate with good grades, if I post a picture and people say you're beautiful, people compliment you. Uh, you feel like you're a successful person because of the car that you drive or the things that you have. If you're a good ball player, people brag on you. If you have trophies, it's, it's all outside. It's constantly people being like, you're awesome. You're great. You're beautiful. Man, you're successful. You've got money. I'm so proud of you. And that builds us up our identity. I'm a ball player. I'm a business uh, successful person. I, I accomplished this in my life. I have something to stand on from this. I'm popular. Traditional identity is made weak by failure because all of a sudden with all of those things that we talked about, they can be taken away. Popularity gets taken away. Your grades, you can fail. Your, your, your scholarships that you can have, the job that you have, the economy can fail. All these different things, they're unstable. It reminds me of what the Bible was talking about and we're talking about that place of confusion. But there's another illustration that the Bible gives us when Jesus was teaching and he talked about building our lives upon the rocks. Or we're building our lives upon the sand. And you think about what sand is. Sand is something that if you step on it, 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 sh it shifts. It's unstable. It might be okay for a while, but it doesn't stay that way, especially when the wind blows and the, the rains come in and the Bible describes it, then everything that's built upon the, the sand fell apart. When you think about that, if you build your identity on the opinions of others, 
uh, uh, the, the, their marriage that you have, the person that you are, the, the house that you own, the job that you have, the titles or whatever, all of those things can be taken away. And all of a sudden, when they are, your identity plummets. You fail. You fall on your face. Then we come back and say, I don't even know who I am anymore. That is how young people can wrap their identity on a girl that they're dating. And then they get dumped. And you find out later that they're contemplating suicide because I don't want to live anymore. I've been rejected. It's an inner struggle that we have. It's, it's, it's the identity that we have in this world. And it's very common. This, this does hit home with me. I know some of you guys know this, but it's been a long time since I've talked about this. 14 years ago, I got a phone call. It was, it was in May, beginning of May. It was uh, end of April. I got a phone call 14 years ago that uh, my sister was rushed to the hospital. My sister was in her young 20s. She had everything going for her. She was in good health. And, and, and she, she went through this time that she was trying to reinvent herself. My sister was heavy set at the time. She went and got the gastric bypass surgery. She had all these plans of changing her life, changing her image, and all this other stuff. And uh, so she had a job. She worked for a church. She worked in a daycare. She worked in a great environment, had great friends, a good family, all these things that were going for her in her life. She bought three bottles of Tylenol, put them in her purse, planned the whole day out, went to work like a normal person, said hi, loved everybody, laughing, joking, went out to her car, drove straight home to take her life with those three bottles of Tylenol. She knew my mom was working late. She used my mom's bedroom, went into my mom's bedroom, locked the door, laid on the bed, took those three bottles of Tylenol, was passed out like that. They found her because my mom came home early. God has a plan. When you think you have a plan, God has a bigger plan. God intervenes in our plans. Mom just thought that something she passed, we, we, they couldn't figure it out whatsoever. They ended up rushing her to the hospital, life flighting her down to the hospital that was an hour away. Down there, they came out. They t- said that it's a good chance that your daughter's not going to live. Mom called me up. I knew that she had passed out or something like that and said, Tony, you won't believe this. They think she's actually going to die any minute. I got in my car. I was praying like crazy. I was crying. Jenny can tell you it was one of the weirdest times that I've ever been through. We're speeding down the road. We're trying to get there. They kept calling and saying, how far are you away? How far are you away? They said, Tony, now they're saying it just you'll be lucky to get here to be able to say goodbye. I had no idea what happened. The doctor came out and said, we were like, we need answers. We need to know what's going on with this. The doctor came out and said to us and said, is there any reason your sister would want to take her life? And we, we got mad. I'm telling you, we got mad. No, she did. she's not like that at all. That's not something she would do. That's not, my sister would never, ever think like that. They said, I hate to tell you this, but we found large traces of Tylenol in her system. We truly believe that she tried to commit suicide. She pulled out of it three months in the ICU. Major surgery after major surgery. And I won't get into all the details of just what happened through, as a result of that. And by the way, I will tell you this. My sister figured out that she would take her life and she took the three bottles of Tylenol, but my dad was in the other room. She got up and got into my dad's room and took one of his bottles of pills. She didn't even know what it was. She said, I just figured it couldn't hurt to finish me off. The bottles of pills that she took were Lasix. She had no idea. And the doctor said because of the large quantity of water that she drank, 
trying to take her life and swallow all those pills, combined with the Lasix, she actually took the antidote to start flushing out her system and she didn't even know it. She ended up saving her life by trying to take her life because God intervened in the middle of that. Three months later, she ends up coming out of the hospital. I'll come back to that. You say, why are you saying this? I don't think we understand what it does to us when we try to live up to the expectations of people. And I say this on the level of adults, but let me put it into the, the, the level in the world of our kids today uh, of trying to meet expectations. And you say, why, why is it increased? Do you realize how complicated this has made our world? talk about comparisons and expectations and being liked and feeling rejected constantly being bullied and everything else because of the outward opinions of other people saying what you should be if you're liked and if you're accepted traditional identity there's a second type of identity it's the modern identity this is totally different than this is the modern identity that rejects traditional identity this is the one that raises its fist and says nobody's going to tell me who i am Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to dress, how to look, how to act. Nobody's going to tra- tell me what sexual orientation that I can have. I'm going to be this. I'm going to proclaim this. It doesn't matter if I grew up in church. I reject what that says. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. I'm going to be my own authority. I'm going to be my own master. It's, it's a sense of rebellion in this thing. We have that going on all, all around us in today's culture to this. And with that, there are no absolutes. Because the thing is, if I declare who I am one minute and my feelings and opinions change the next, then I change who I am. There is no absolutes. So both ways, whether it's the traditional identity or the modern identity, they are both unstable. They're both unstable. Jesus came to save us from both of these. He said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Put it like this. God's saying, let me tell you how to save your life. Let me break that verse down. Because remember, I've done this before with the word love. In the Bible, that there's different words that mean different things. So we have one word for life. The word life can mean different things. Let me give you an illustration. The first definition of the word life is your physical existence. This is my life. I'm here living my life. I'm Tony Leo, so this is my life. That's the first illustration of the word life. The second one is a, is a period of time. I've spent my whole life trying to do this. My whole life I grew up this certain way. It's referenced into periods or segments of time, the fullness of life. But the last one is the word that we get the word psyche from. It is the word that means my inner man or my inner thinking. It's, it's, it's the inner part of you. That is the part that Jesus is talking about this. So take it in this reference. He said, if you mentally, in the internal man, not just your life, he's not talking about lay his life physically. He wasn't talking about taking your life. And I know we have that example of that when he talks about well, take up your cross. But he was talking about the physical, man, the physical man with the mental mindset of who he is. He said, you've got to give up who you think you are in order for you to become who God wants you to be. You've got to give up what other people are telling you should be in order for you to be who God wants you to be. So how do we fix this? And I'll wrap this up. And by the way, we're just setting the foundation for where we're going. Because I promise you, what we're talking about, this is so important for us as Christians. Where do you start? How do we change our culture? How do we help people with this? We start by losing. 
You've got to let go of your false identity. That's what Jesus was saying here when he was talking about if any man's going to gain his life, he's got to lose it. You cannot have it both ways. And I know that for Christians, we have that mindset, of course, for me to live as Christ and die as gain, I dedicate my whole life to him. We say that. But what is Jesus telling them to lose? He's talking about losing their psyche. So go back and make application. It's letting go of our traditional identity. Letting go of what other people define you. You've got to let go of that. The Bible says in, in Romans 12, he says, be not conformed to this world. That word conformed to this world means to be pressed into a mold, to be formed into outside pressures and, and personalities and what that is. So a lot of times when we sit there and say, what is the latest fashion or how should I look or what's accepted? Going out with friends, if you want to be cool, you've got to do this. If you, if you want to dress cool, you've got to wear this. If you want to be accepted, you've got to go here and do these different things. Be not conformed to this world, but what did he say? Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus was saying, you've got to stop letting your success define you. You've got to stop letting culture around you define you. You've got to stop letting the opinions of people define you. It doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's your past of messing up and you sit there and say, I'm a loser, I'm a druggie, I'm this. Or if it's a matter of the fact that you think that you're popular, you're beautiful, and we have our status wrapped up in those things. He said, you've got to let go of those things. But you've also got to let go of the modern identity. He said in verse 34, he said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. So that's that mindset that I declare what is true. I say what is right. Guys, we, we will say that when it comes to the world declaring their sexual identity. But let me tell you, we do this the same way. We do. We'll sit there and I know the Bible says that, but to me that's kind of old-fashioned. You guys have heard those kind of talk. Or I, I, I don't look at it that way or I don't view it that way. Does anybody believe that this is absolute truth? Amen. You, you realize that this is the author of our life. This, this is what dictates who you are, what you do, where you go. And, and you say, I can reject that. Absolutely, you can reject that. But you put yourself and your life on that sinking sand. Nothing is stable. And by the way, that also brings a life where there is no peace. The modern identity has to be let go. What are you losing? Here's the next thing. You have to allow the gospel to identify you. He said, for whoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel. He said, let me tell you who has to define your life. Remember this, that it is God that is the author of your life. Man, we love to embrace that when we're talking about going to heaven. It's like, man, he's the only hope. Amen. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. Amen. He saved me from hell. Praise God. He wants you to live this way. You're like, whoa, okay, what do you, what? Why is it that we're willing to believe it when it comes to eternal damnation being saved from hell, but we're not willing to believe it when it comes to everyday life? You see, the gospel is absolute truth. It's absolute truth. The gospel means good news. The gospel brings answers. The gospel eliminates confusion. If people are confused in this world because of the world that is shifting and changing like standing on the sand, the only way we're going to eliminate the confusion is we've got to get back to what is absolutes. I don't know what I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am. I don't know how I feel. I don't know who I should like. I don't know what my gender is. I don't know. And God says, I'll tell you who you are. This is absolute truth. It's already defined. You say, how do we, can we do that or trust that? 
because he is the author of the life. He is the creator of the life. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's literally saying, I'm the beginning and the end. In the world when everything is shifting and changing. And let me tell you what happens for us as Christians. We end up sitting there having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. One foot on the Bible and one foot on the world's philosophies. Well, I'm going to believe that when I go to heaven and I'll stand up and sing the songs, how great God is and the fact that he's the author of my life and he's the savior of my life. But then the next thing, we're sitting there being pro this and pro that. The Bible says in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You want to know why there's no peace in your home, no peace in your life, and no peace with your kids? You can't speak out both sides of your mouth and expect there to be peace in your life. Your kids need to know what is right and what is wrong, what works and what doesn't. And if we're sitting there listening to whoever has their opinion on TV one minute, and then we're dragging them to church the next minute, and we breed confusion, the Bible says you cannot mix the two together. You will either love the one and hate the other. There's a choice to be made. Church, if we're going to move forward and we're going to help people, we've got to be fully persuaded in our minds that this is the final authority of our lives. And I tell you what, it can get so quiet when I talk like this because you're sitting there saying, I know there's a lot of things that the Bible says that I'm doing wrong and I'm not going to submit to it. Therefore, we are building our lives upon the sand. We're unstable in all of our ways. We're breeding confusion and we don't understand why because we're trying to adapt to both. The Bible says in Psalms 119, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Great peace. When I view the Bible as the absolute authority over my life, and by the way, the things that I'm saying right now, man, it, it goes against our flesh. It does. Because I don't want to sit there and have to submit to anything. That's how you, you breed that culture of, I'm my own person, I'll do my own thing. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Revolt against everything. The gospel is our absolute truth, but also the gospel is my identity. See, it is God that defines me. When I realize and I say that I know this is the word of God and I know this is truth, then we start doing what the Bible says. I will stand upon the word of God. I'm going to build my life upon it. Therefore, from the very beginning of my kids and my life, my kids and my grandkids, my, my kids and my neighbors, everything, I'm going to point to the truth. And when people are saying, I don't understand life and I don't know who I am, we begin to open up from the very beginning and just say, let me tell you how marriage is defined by God. I don't care where the world brings it. I don't care what they define it as being. That is unstable. But I can tell you what God said from the very beginning. God is the creator of marriage. God is the creator of life. God is the creator of genders. God is the author of every single bit of it. You step off of this, I'll tell you, you're going to have a life of trouble. But when we finally make up in our minds and say, I believe that the word of God is true, then all of a sudden everything begins to make sense. And great peace come to those that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. You want to, you want to reverse what we're having going on in our lives? There's a great falling away. And I'll tell you, the great falling away is people get so far away from God and they become parents. They have nothing to tell their kids. And dragging them into church every once in a while, trying to fix them up is not going to do it. It's got to be the aspect and the, the foundation of everything that we do. But how do you fix a great falling away? So we constantly continue to get closer and closer to God. Because I'll tell you what, I'm going to know who I am. 
I'm going to know my worth. I'm going to know what I'm for. I'm going to know what I'm against. I'm going to know what my kids are and everything because he declares who I am. And I don't need the world to tell me. So this is what I have to do. I have to gain by losing. I have to reject the idea that I'm in control. Deny yourself. I have to reject the idea of other people are going to tell me who I am. Nobody has the right to tell me that I'm a failure. Nobody has the right to tell me that I'm not worth anything. And let me tell you, this happens in, in, in everybody, even pastors. Man, we can have it in our minds that if I have a big church, I'm successful. If I have a bad church, I'm failure. If there's big attendance, man, I did great. If there's small attendance, you realize that when I'm successful is when I please my God, that's when I'm successful. You want to know when you're successful as a dad is when you please God because he is the author and ruler of your life. Teens, you want to know when you're successful? You find your identity in Jesus Christ and he makes you beautiful because the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes and it doesn't matter who likes your picture or who doesn't like your picture on social media. God loves you for who you are. He proved that on the cross. When the thief was right next to him, he cried out to him on the cross and God saved him because you realize that he was worth saving even though he'd done nothing right. My sister, I called her and I said, hey, why don't you get out of there and I want you to move up here with us. And she became a member of Fellowship Baptist Church after that. We had so many deep conversations, me and her, Pastor Dave. She lived in my house. She got really close to us as a family. And finally, she had to keep going in and just saying, it doesn't matter what people view me. It doesn't matter uh, their opinions. It doesn't matter who views me as beautiful. And she began to let go. She had to let go of all that. And that's where the struggle is with so many people. You've got to let go of that up here. And she turned and she began to live out her life and, 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 and serve God with her life and her time and make friends. And she began to grow into a completely different person. Here, through different means, she, she met a guy. His name was Danny. They ended up getting engaged. They, they got married, had three beautiful kids. This afternoon, her and Danny are leading a Bible study at their church. They're, they're involved in ministry and they oversee and help with their college ministry at their church. You see, God has this great, incredible plan filled with peace and joy. But we've got to get out of that land of confusion We've got to step out of it where we're waiting for other people to validate us when God's already done it. We've got to get out of that thing where we think we're something because other people accept us. See, he died for you because he loves you. To set you free to bring him close to you because the closer you are to Jesus Christ, the more you are know who you are, what you are, and what you're meant to be. I'm not going to get mad at the people in confusion. It's our job to go reach them and help them to show them the truth.